The Jeep Talk Show is sponsored in part by ExtremeTerrain.com, your Jeep Wrangler aftermarket authority for all your YJ, TJ, JK, and 2018 JL Wrangler parts. Extreme Terrain is a leader in providing accurate information and top-notch customer service for the hottest aftermarket Wrangler parts around. Visit ExtremeTerrain.com today and toughen up your rig for the trail with the best in the business. Stay tuned to later in this episode to learn more about your chance to win a mildly modified JL or a widely modded JK Wrangler from ExtremeTerrain.com. This week's episode is also brought to you by Route 16 Off-Road. Veteran-owned and operated and community-focused brand Route 16 Off-Road works hard to get you the best deals possible on parts and accessories you want. Let Route 16 help you find that next replacement part or upgrade. Check them out. Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X dot com. Whether you are upgrading your Jeep suspension, swapping axles, changing trannies, or modifying your transfer case, one component of your Jeep almost always demands attention. That's the drive shaft. It's the critical link in your driveline, and a sensitive one at that. A little off here, a little off there, and if you're not careful, you could find yourself in big trouble somewhere you could least afford it. And this is why you should put your trust in the biggest name in drive shafts. That's Tom Woods. Just go to 4xshaft.com to find out more. That's 4xshaft.com. Episode 330, April 26th, 2018. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With G-Mama, Josh, and Tony. So sit back. Strap in and, and brace yourself. yourself. Well, Josh, did you see that somebody's making a bet with the show now? What? No. Wait, really? Tammy, we were just joking around with this stuff last week, right? Well, Josh, you know, it seems someone took us seriously, and they're <laughs> betting that they are going to have their Jeep painted and a new t- interior in before yours is even drivable. <laughs> Oh, it's on. Yep. Let's see. <laughs> Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And, of course, This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. If you're looking for a way to support the show, well, you just need to go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon, and a small fraction from anything you purchase using that link will go towards helping out the Jeep Talk Show. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we do here, well, please consider giving back. That's jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. Talk about luck. It happened earlier today, actually, with no warning, no horn honking, no screeching of tires, just suddenly a Jeep inside a FedEx store, way inside. The Delray Beach, Florida FedEx store suddenly had a new entrance as a newer model Jeep Wrangler came crashing into the store and not walls, boxes, or even copier machines could halt its momentum. The vehicle carved a path all the way inside the store before it came to a stop clear at the other end underneath a ceiling-mounted self-service copy and print sign. Not exactly what I would call the best place to look for a valet, and I'm fairly certain this store didn't have any signs advertising drive-through copy and fax services. A Thursday afternoon crash at the 1911 South Federal Highway branch injured two people who were inside the store at the time 
and one medium-sized black dog that somehow found itself trapped underneath the Jeep. Delray Beach Fire and Rescue treated one of the victims at the scene and transported another to a nearby hospital that did not have any life-threatening injuries. According to the department's Facebook and Instagram posts, rescue crews were able to free the dog from underneath the Jeep, and the animal is expected to survive. What is strange, though, is that there is no word yet on whom the dog belonged to, or let alone how it came to be in path of the Jeep. The unidentified driver was not injured and is cooperating with the Delray Beach Police, who are still investigating the accident. You know, you know, um, I hate to say this, but I'm thinking Uh, you're going to say it anyway. I'm I'm thinking, well, that's what I'm here. I'm paid for. (laughs) You're wait, you're paid. (laughs) Well, in in, uh, friends, uh, friend follows on Facebook and uh, (laughs) yeah, theoretically. But, you know, it's it's kind of sad. I was uh, thinking of jokes I could say and I'm thinking about two people were injured. They weren't killed. I can probably make this joke. And then I was appalled appalled to hear a dog was injured <laughs> that's the sad part is the people eh, the dog oh no so right i'm sure everybody was just like yeah the people they probably had it coming you know like, whatever yeah. <laughs> the dog though the dog <laughs> oh, for sure. why you should have left the dog out of the story josh oh the poor puppy i'm glad to hear it's gonna be okay though i wonder if it was just hanging around outside or maybe uh had to, well even had then to kind of a weird place for a dog to be hanging out i mean you know outside the <laughs> no. chinese food restaurant i could kind of get that one you know or you know around the uh the meat market sure i could kind of get that too but outside of a of a fedex store they, come on that doesn't make any sense so yeah kind of weird how the dog got there uh but i'm glad to hear that the dog and everybody else is okay you know maybe he'll get a uh if, if it's not chipped and they can't find the owner if maybe there's not an owner maybe he'll uh, get a home because of this uh uh, oh, yeah. hopefully uh, probably probably not a jeep home but because because of the memories the bad memories but uh, still a home nonetheless well, the U.S. gets left out once again. Thanks a lot, FCA. After teasing us for, what, I don't know, a year or so now about the possibility of the Grand Wagoneer coming back to the U.S. showrooms, we find out this week that Jeep is now building a three-row, seven-passenger SUV in China for the Chinese market alone. Now, it just just debuted at the Beijing Motor Show, and it's called the Jeep Grand Commander, and it Honestly, looks pretty awesome. The Jeep Grand Commander is one of four Jeep models produced in Ningbo as part of the partnership with GAC. And frankly, I'm kind of miffed that we don't get it here because it does look pretty dang nice. The Grand Commander comes with all the stuff like, you know, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay via Chrysler's Uconnect. It also has standard on the Grand Commander, uh, of course, four-wheel drive. I mean, it is, after all, a Jeep at the end of the day. And even in the People's Republic of China, there would likely be civil unrest if they tried to pass off some front-wheel drive people hauler as a Jeep. Now, the luxury of this SUV seen in the Napa leather steering and wooden look accents is obvious. It's not all business, though, as the press release for the Grand Commander wants us to be very well aware of the fact that thanks to features like three-zone independent air conditioning and plenty of headroom throughout, passengers will not be treated differently because of where they sit. It points this out twice, in fact. But the interior does indeed seem like a very nice place to be. Exterior styling is large, square, and very Jeep-like, which is a good thing, I think. I think of a Grand Cherokee and take away a bunch of the curves and stuff. Naturally, it's a little bit more boxy, and, well, you'd expect something like the Grand Commander to be powered by one of FCA's many fine V8 engine options as well. But, no, not this one. In fact, you'd be wrong. The Grand Commander is motivated by a 2-liter turbocharged 4-cylinder engine 
coupled with a nine-speed automatic transmission. Now, it may not do big, smoky, awesome track hawk burnouts, but with a respectable zero to 60 time of around eight seconds, well, that's enough to have some fun getting the groceries and taking the rugrats to practice. Yeah, it only sucks if the top speed is 60. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it gets there, oh, but that's okay all it gets. That. You know, you you could do zero to 60 pretty quick, but if to 60 is your, your top end, then, uh, you know, it's all gears. Um, and 60 to 70 is another 18 seconds. No. <laughs> you know, this is unrelated and, and not Jeep related at all, but somebody shared. Well, then we're moving along. Somebody so, but, shared yeah. a, a story with uh, with me today on uh, on the Facebook. You kids know about the Facebook uh, where uh, Ford is looking at not selling automobiles in the United States anymore. It's going to be trucks and SUVs. I think they're they're selling Mustang and uh, one other vehicle, but they're looking at dropping uh, all uh, car sales in North America. And I kind of wonder if this has something to do. I mean, obviously this isn't a car, but, uh, I'm wondering if maybe there's some sort of uh, tie in with uh, the markets where they don't see the market in the U S since it's such a very heavy into trucks and SUVs that bringing something in like a grand commander, love how they keep reusing names, uh, (laughs) that that probably wouldn't be a good fit for the U S market. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure there's a, a number of factors that that motivate decisions like this but uh man it, it is i'm guessing that this is kind of going to be a bit of a design test for what the grand wagoneer is going to be maybe this is going to be kind of a rough market test globally you're going to try this out in china and if this you know seven passenger large super large luxurious suv uh becomes a thing maybe we'll you know ramp up production here in the u.s and maybe bring up the the release date a little bit i don't know i mean this could go any number of ways and of course we could spend half the day just going over conspiracy theories you know uh as long as they don't uh, move the jeep new jeep truck over there and not in north america oh, I'm fine. oh i oh. would be so yeah, bad yeah i, would be, I, I uh, think i think a lot of people talk about civil unrest would be, oh my gosh <laughs> that would yes what is it uh, if daryl dies we uh <laughs> we riot. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, guys, breaking news, in fact, coming out just this evening as we are recording the show. Now, you guys remember him from a couple few weeks back, Bender, a.k.a. Rob Park. I just put out the challenge out from History Channel's Truck Night in America out to all badass truck owners out there who want to sign up for more Truck Night in America. That's right. They're actually asking everybody out there who likes the show, who's into trucks and Jeeps and all that sort of stuff, to get the word out saying you want more. And as well, well, they're also looking for casting. That's right, guys. They're casting truck-driving, mud-loving adrenaline junkies just like you to compete for $10,000. It's truck versus terrain. Truck Night in America, if you don't know, is the competition series where on each episode, five drivers in their personal customized trucks and Jeeps go head-to-head in three challenges, testing their vehicle speed, strength, or handling. The last two men or women standing, well, they're going to take on the three-mile-long obstacle course known as the Green Hell, which challenges trucks and drivers to fly off jumps, climb a mountain of crushed cars, and tear through swamps. In the end, the best driver will take home $10,000 and be crowned the Truck Night Champion. If you have the guts to put your truck up against other beasts of steel, well, then you need to apply now. That's right. They want you. And we're going to have the link to where you need to go in the show notes for this episode over at JeepTalkShow.com. And uh, I hope I'm, I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, uh, Tammy. But uh, Tammy has decided to take it on, take on the challenge, and sign up for the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wish her well. Uh, we just wish she had a brighter color vehicle. 
Yeah. I wish I could sign up. I'd have to I'd have to do a go a GoFundMe page so I could, you know, pay for all the damage. You know, you ought I, to do I just, a I just collectively heard half the United States Jeep uh, lovers out there's jaws drop as they heard that Tammy's going to compete yes. on Truck Night in America. Well, yeah. can you imagine the bleeps that would be going on while they're uh, yeah. <laughs> got the cameras going on in the oh cab? Oh my god. <laughs> you know, I um when we talked to to um, Bender about this, I would be like the perfect candidate for that show. <laughs> you would be. I don't know what I'm doing, and I swear a lot, and I freak out. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I would. Sign her up. You heard a History Channel. You're just, just going to go ahead and draft her. Don't even need to sign yeah. up. She's just on the show. She needs a GoFundMe for a, a throwdown vehicle that she can use. Yeah, and maybe somebody can loan me their vehicle that they don't care getting all mangled up. Maybe uh, it ter- has to be purple, though. Maybe Teresa coming yeah. up in our interview could uh, let you borrow her uh, Scout. Oh, she, there you go. She doesn't mind uh, ter- trashing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, if you guys don't mind sharing, well, you guys love to give us news tips, and we love to get them. And uh, well, just we encourage you guys to keep on doing that. Of course, if you have a response to any one of our stories, you can get, let us know as well. Just uh, head over uh, using your phone or email. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out how to reach out to us and all the ways that you can get involved. Hey, and coming up later in the show, interview with Teresa Loomis. Just talked about her a minute ago. She's a contestant uh, well, on an upcoming truck night in America. That's right. And, uh, well, next week we start getting ready for Go Topless Day in May with Gene of All Things Jeep. Yep, yep, allthingsjeep.com, and uh, allthingsjeep.com actually started the Go Topless Day event, which I was not aware of until Tammy and I uh, interviewed Jean uh, a few months ago. So we're going to have her back on and uh, talk more about uh, Go Topless Day coming up on May 19th, and uh, I'll just mention it now. I think I will actually be going to Crystal Beach, uh, Go Topless Day, uh, and uh, the uh, Jeeps at the Beach uh, on uh, Facebook has... uh, quite generously offered me a spot a place to sit in their tent so this white boy don't burn in 15 minutes and uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh looking forward to that and according to what i've been told you see about anything you can think of at uh, go topless day and that includes things that are topless that aren't vehicles without tops my goodness i'll just leave it there i'll just leave that right there so the wife's going with me <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap up with uh, Steve 4.3 LXJ's series on reading maps tonight with uh, the seventh and final segment of Finding Trails. I mean, I can't uh, thank you enough, Steve. This has been very, very interesting. And uh, I think Tammy's really enjoyed this, too. She she feels comfortable reading maps now. Hi, this is Steve 4.3 LXJ with another Jeep trip. And I'd like to continue on our series on how to find places to wheel. And so far, we've focused on maps. I hope you've downloaded them and that you've been looking at them and studying them and looking at the different kinds of road symbols and following them. And uh, you notice that we have found four Jeep trails just on one quadrangle map so far. Now, this area is very rich in uh, off-road trails, and there are more to the south and southeast of this area. And if you go north a little ways, about another uh, another couple of quadrangles, 
uh, you get up into the Fordyce Creek area, and uh, there's lots of great wheeling up there, too. So you can download the maps for those areas and keep them on your computer, study them, um, because there's places on those maps that do not show up on the electronic media. I've tried to uh, put as many of them as possible on wheel.com but I haven't got them all yet. So uh, get your maps and study them. Now I'd like to uh, switch gears a little bit and bring us up to the 21st century because a lot of you are wondering, well, uh, why can't I use uh, Garmin GPS and just take off or whatever? Well, the reason I'm having you do this is that there is an app you can use called Backcountry Navigator that uses these very same maps that you download to your phone. Better get yourself a big uh, memory chip. And you can access these same maps on the trail, plot your position, plot your trail that you've uh, driven all day, stop your plot, start it up again someplace else. And it has an additional feature that is really cool, and that is if you, you stop to take pictures any place, you can set a waypoint with Backcountry Navigator and then link your pictures to that waypoint. And that's really kind of cool for people that like oh. to chronicle their trails. Or you can set waypoints and take off, uh, follow the section lines on these maps if you want to and get off of the roads and go from one waypoint to another, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, this app is constantly being supported. There's a newsletter that the guy sends out. He's very avid about uh, updating and making this app better all the time. He's always adding new types of maps you can access and even has one that you can uh, buy that overlays these roads that shows the Forest Service designations on a lot of these trails. And, of course, it makes them easy to find that way. Uh, all of this is in his help section. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Backcountry Navigator because there's an extensive online help section, and they have a, a help desk that's manned if you have particular problems and so forth. Uh, it's cheap. I don't know what it costs now. I paid 10 bucks for it, and it's the best $10 app I ever got. So the only trick is you've got to look for your maps and download them before you go out, because if you get away from a cell phone tower, your GPS is still going to work, and it'll still plot where you've been, but you won't see it on a map until it gets to a tower someplace where it can download the map for where it's been. So you do have to do a little bit of homework, and that's why I've been trying to teach you how to do your homework before you go out. And then you can do it all electronically and, and you can see it all unfold on your phone up on your dash as you drive. So this is a, a good investment. I think I don't get any money for it, but this is uh, probably the best app I could find to uh, help you plot where you are, and it's because it's all linked to these same topographic maps that are available free for everybody.
That's going to conclude our series on finding places to wheel, unless people have specific questions you want me to address sometime uh, you can send them to info at jeeptalkshow.com and i'll address them uh, but for now that'll be it hope to see you on the trail well thanks a lot steve and uh, if you uh, get a little uh, confused about where to go look just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and you'll find a multitude of ways that you can contact us in there including the email address that uh, steve gave us info at jeeptalkshow.com so I don't know if you guys are aware of it or not. Um, the cell service is uh, predominantly uh, in cities, towns, but along highways in between cities and towns. So when you get off of the main road or roads, uh, like going off-road, you're getting further and further away from uh, the cell towers and you may lose service. So that's what Steve's talking about. Uh, and something that you need to consider whenever you're going off-road. You think that you have this wonderful uh, communications tool with you, and uh, you do, but it's only as good as the technology that supports it. It is not a standalone device like you would have on a CB or ham radio. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. And the Jeep Talk Show, if you didn't know, is just one of the many proud members of the 4x4 Radio Network. We'd encourage you to head over to the 4x4 Radio Network. Just visit 4x4radionetwork.com and learn more about all the shows there. The 4x4 Podcast, the Center Steer Podcast, Trail Chasers Podcast, and our newest member, the On the Trail Podcast, too. Shut up and listen. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. So today I'm going to talk a little bit about the saying that Jeepers like to say, it's the journey, not the destination. Um, Last week I told you guys that I was doing my first ever Jeep Mama trail ride, not my first trail ride, but the first trail ride that I was putting on. And I called it the Badge of Honor trail ride. And we were going to go to Virginia where a newly um, Jeep, the Jeep out of Badge of Honor has a new trail that they just added to their app, and it was called Peter's Mill Run. And so I got some friends from Facebook, and we met up, and we were going to run the Peter's Mill Trail. Now, this trail is like maybe a one- to two-hour trail, so we wanted to add something else to it because this trail, from me, is about three hours away. So we decided we were going to do the Flagpole Trail in Virginia, which is supposed to be a really fun trail because when you reach the top of the trail, you're on top of um, a mountain and on one side of you, you can see West Virginia and the other side, Virginia. And it's supposed to be a really spectacular view. We were going to get up there and have lunch and then go back down the trail and then head over to Peter's Mill Run. But as a jeeper, you need to learn to just go with the flow and be flexible. You know, it's really good to have a plan and to be prepared But as we were going up the flagpole trail, it said the road was closed or the trail was closed. And there was a forestry guy there blocking the road. And we tried everything we could to have him let us go through. But they were doing a controlled burn and the controlled burn was to help prevent um, wildfires. So unfortunately, we had to turn around and go back. And 
instead of being like, oh, this is such a bummer, you just like, hey, this is okay, and you look for the bright side. And the bright side of that was there were two other Jeepers not in our group that um, had the same issue. They're like, we wanted to go to the top, and they couldn't. So we invited them to go with us, and we met two really cool new Jeep people. So that was the positive, and that's something else you need to look for the silver lining. So anyway, we went back down Flagpole Trail, and we headed over to um, Peter's Mill. Now, mind you, at the beginning of this trail ride, Gina will be so proud of me, Gina with <laughs> Nom News, I had put in my lunch in my engine in between the battery and the manifold. So now the plans were like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Because I had to get back on the highway and drive. We checked the sandwich and it was still you know, not hot. So we just left it in there and it did fine driving 65 miles an hour on the interstate. Um, we went through water. We went through mud. Totally fine. Um, anyway, so we stopped at a gas station to get our little permit to go on this trail. And that's where, unfortunately, we had our lunch, but it was okay. And my sandwich was perfect. It was fabulous. Thanks, Gina, for the advice and the recipe. I kind of switched it up a little, but it is so easy to do, folks. I'm going to do a video that's going to air Sunday on my YouTube channel, and you can see how you can make this sandwich. But it's so easy. You just need tin foil and your sandwich fixings, and um, you're good to go. So we get on Peter's Mill Trail, and we're you know, going to do another trail that's near there after this because we have so much time because we couldn't finish the first trail. So we're going along this trail, which is kind of like a wooden roller coaster. And all of a sudden we come up on this green gecko, a green Jeep gecko. Um, and he is stuck in the mud. And he's by himself. And he's just standing there on the roof of his Jeep. And so one thing, people, do not wheel alone. Even if the trail is just a one or a two, you can always get stuck. And he was stuck in probably like two or three feet of mud. So we had to stop and we had to winch him out. Now with the angle he was in, it was kind of difficult for us. So it took us about an hour to get him out. And... um so that put us way behind. We couldn't do the other trail. But good news, people. We were able to go up to this other road, this, what do you call it, switchbacks, and we made it to this fire tower, and we got to climb the fire tower. Well, I just made it up one flight of stairs because I <laughs> was freaking out too much, and it was a really beautiful view. So, you know, a couple lessons. Go with the flow. Be prepared, but be prepared to change your plans. And if you have to change your plans, there's a reason for it. There was a reason for all of that stuff. We got to meet two new Jeepers. We helped a lone Jeeper get unstuck. Um, and we got to eat a really yummy sandwich. So I don't think the sandwich would have been done when we got to the top of that mountain. So it all worked out in the end. We didn't get to do what we wanted to do, but now I have an excuse to go back out there and it was a really great time, and I got my Jeep badge, which will hopefully will be coming in the mail in the next year or so. How many? Just one. It was the... <laughs> no, well, yeah. you who, may who get more than like one. Two, one. two or three. 
So, so it was it was a really, really good time. So Tammy, unbeknownst to you, we have a bit of audio from you on that first floor of the uh, the fire tower. Oh god. Are you sure? <laughs> they they are they're you charging you for the, the indentation in the wood that you had on the, the railing there. Yeah. They got to replace that. <laughs> Actually, um I did say that. I, I forgot to mention trailsoffroad.com. I've mentioned them on a couple episodes back about their website. They hooked me up with one of their trail guides who knows this area, um, Scott, and he was an awesome, awesome guy. But anyway, he showed us this fire tower, and as I'm walking to it, I'm like, are you sure this is safe for us to walk up? And I was thinking, oh, my God, Tony would just die if he heard me ask this. <laughs> really anybody that's listened to the show uh, if they heard that they go awesome. i know that i know that voice i know that yeah. saying so uh sure? you know I, I just gotta say tammy you know some people like to cook with propane some with charcoal because they like the flavor but apparently you like battery acid and exhaust fumes actually <laughs> one of the guys eating the sandwich and he loved the sandwich but he said it tasted like blinker fluid <laughs> that's great you get a yeah. you, they get somebody gives you a hard time no matter where you go. <laughs> yeah, they do. But it was it was a great time. Hey folks, coming up later in the show, Nikki G and Nikki G and I will be able to meet in person in a week. So excited. Go to Sam's Club, get the big roll of heavy duty aluminum foil and he will talk to you for hours and it will make sense if if he's properly yes. covered. Yes. I was going to say the largest taser that they have, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> advanced adapters this is clyde how can i help you uh clyde uh i've been doing some checking around and several people have told me uh that you can put an atlas uh, transfer case together in just a few days who is this i i, I don't want to say tony uh no my name is uh, sid tony you realize that we have color id don't you Okay, look, Clyde, it's been two months. Four weeks. Uh, okay, a month, and I still don't have my <laughs> atlas. Who do I have to talk to there to make this happen? Four weeks, Tony, not eight weeks, not six weeks, not five. You were told five to six weeks. Look, man, you might want to seek out some professional help. We have a Skype group that meets at the first of every month for people like you waiting for their transfer cases to be built. Really? Does it help? Several customers have reported it does. Wow, this is really interesting. I didn't realize, you know, I thought I was the only person. So what's the name of the group? Advanced Adapters Anonymous. Triple A? <laughs> Funny, Clyde. Funny. <laughs> Same time next week? Yeah. Hey, you can now listen to all the episodes of the Jeep Talk Show from the comfort and relative safety of your Amazon Echo. Alexa, ask the Jeep Talk Show to play the latest episode. Welcome. You can listen to all the episodes of Jeep Talk Show, a Jeep podcast, including new episodes, as they are released. For now, you'll start with the most recent episode, but you can change by skipping forward or backward. You can even say how many episodes you'd like to skip. It doesn't get much easier than this, folks. Not even your 89-year-old grandma can listen to that Jeep show with you and then talk to you about Jeeps like a pro. Amazon Echo and the Jeep Talk Show, it's a winning pair. And if you want to be winning, much like, well, a famous celebrity that will remain unnamed on this show, uh, you would love to just take yourself over to any one of our places where you can leave a review and do that very thing. 
Uh, Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And, of course, if you guys leave a comment, we'll read it here on the show. And that's just what somebody did over at iTunes. Uh, It was Longarm XJ, in fact. He left a five-star review and said, simply, awesome. Love the podcast. Easy to listen to. I've been listening for a while now and uh, always look forward to new episodes. Short and sweet. Thanks again, Longarm XJ, for the five-star review and the comment. And, of course, if you guys would like to leave us a review, well, we would like to read it here on the show. Just head over to iTunes, YouTube, of course, Facebook. You can leave us a review now as well. Pretty much anywhere where you can find our podcast, you can find a way to leave us a comment. Tom Woods has been doing only four-wheel drive and drive shafts and slip yoke eliminators for 20 years. As an American-owned and operated company, they provide solutions trusted by the weekend wheeler, all the way to rock-crushing rigs at King of the Hammers. If you have a Jeep, Tom Woods Custom Drive Shafts has a solution for you. Using the Gold Seal Universal Joints developed in-house, you can count on the strength of your drive shaft at its weakest and most abused points. And if you're concerned about warranties, it just doesn't get any better than their trail hazard protection. If a weld ever breaks, they take care of it. If a Gold Seal Universal Joint breaks, they take care of it, but they also uh, uh, take care of any damage to the drive shaft. Most just put in a new U-joint into your hand, and the rest is up to you. Tom Woods loves Jeeps. In fact, he has three highly modified Jeeps, so he understands your passion, and so do his employees. Tom Woods custom drive shafts are always shipped complete, balanced, greased, and ready to install. With their 1310 Series CV-type drive shafts, they send reduced head bolts for ease of installation and service tool for re-greasing the center pivot point on the CV. They pay attention to the finest details so you are less likely to experience a problem. If you ever drop the drive shaft, you know just how important this is. When Tom Wood started his company 20 years ago, he wanted two things. To have the best product he could provide and to feed his family. He's accomplished both and more. When you research custom drive shafts, Tom Wood's custom drive shafts comes up time and time again. Trust them with one of the most critical parts of your driveline. Visit Tom Woods Custom Drive Shafts today. Just go to www.4xshaft.com. That's 4xshaft.com. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Well, Michael D. from Pomona, California writes in. He says, I've been considering performing a shackle reversal for a better ride on road. Is it really worth it? Well, Michael D., the on-road ride comparison between a shackle reversal suspension and the standard factory shackle forward design is like night and day. But that's not to say either is without its own set of advantages and disadvantages. Now, although positioning the shackles at the rear of the spring pack in a shackle reversal allows for more natural compression of the spring as the front axle travels upward and back, it can be argued that it doesn't offer as much traction to the front tires when off-road. Now, in the standard shackle forward configuration, as the tire starts to climb an obstacle and the springs compress, the tire is forced forward into the obstacle, increasing bite. However, having driven both suspension types off-road, I'd say that I haven't really noticed any measurable difference in off-road performance, but the on-road ride is way better with the reversal. Now, most leaf spring Jeeps rolled out by the fa- are rolled out from the factory with the front spring shackles hanging on the front of the frame. No one is really sure why they did it like that, but it, well, we say it was just so that you can more easily bend your main leaf and keep the leaf spring companies in business. It's really just a conspiracy. But we're going to go ahead and concentrate on the movement of the Jeep suspension when moving forward. Well, because this is the motion that your Jeep sees 99.5% of the time. 
Unless, of course, you're like Ferris Bueller out on the trail and are constantly going backwards. Seriously, though, there are some real advantages and disadvantages to a shackle forward and shackle reversed setup. Now, I've set up and driven Jeeps both ways, so I'm going to do my best to help you through the pros and cons of each. At the end of the day, it's still going to be you who is going to have to decide which way is right for you. And that is going to depend on how your Jeep is used. Okay, speaking of Ferris Bueller, let's start backwards, so to speak. Now, most of us are more familiar with the shackles at the front of the spring, like we see on all stock or unmodified leaf-sprung Jeeps like the old full-size Jeeps or CJs and YJ Wranglers. So we're going to go through the shackle reversal first. Now, the benefits of a shackle reversal kit once installed, well, the, as the Jeep moves forward and encounters an obstacle such as a deep pothole or the curb to your neighbor's lawn, the axle is allowed to move in the direction it wants to move. This means you end up with a smoother ride all around. Now, when off-road, the same movement allows the tires to follow the terrain better. Now, this results in less float going over those washboard roads at speed. You know those old logging roads that you take to get to your favorite wheeling spot? Yeah. Now, well, now you can take those a little bit faster. Now, also, either on-road or off, there's um, a lot more control to the Jeep over numerous smaller bumps as well. Another nice thing with the shack reversal is that those sudden large bumps won't make you lose quite as many fillings either. Now, it's not all sunshines and rainbows, though. There are a few downsides to this as well. On road, the biggest complaint most people will have with a shackle reversal is nose diving. Much like a TJ or a JK with bad shocks, whenever the brakes are applied, the nose will drop significantly. Now, people who run their shackles reverse just get used to it and frequently now don't take much notice to it. But if you drive your, drive your Jeep aggressively on road, well, this will be something you need to be aware of. Aside from handling characteristics of a shackle reversal, there are horror stories out there about a drive shaft suddenly pushing through and exploding the transfer case or separate when the suspension drops out all the way. Now, there is some truth to this, however, so a good rule of thumb here is to always check your drive shaft travel before doing any sort or after doing any sort of suspension modification. Now, many Jeeps will require a new long travel front drive shaft, so factor that into the build if this is the way you're going to go. Now, on extreme climbs where the rear axle starts to lose traction, the front axle will actually start to walk away from the Jeep. Now, not literally, but figuratively. This can lead to bent springs and a separated front drive shaft in worst-case scenarios. Now, on extreme descents, when you're going down a really steep hill, well, the nose-diving tendency we talked about earlier could lend to the, the tail end of the Jeep getting really, really light. And if you've ever been in a Jeep doing a handstand, well, let's just say the pucker factor is enough for you to start taking this stuff seriously. Now, likely, though, the odds are really good that if you have a Jeep with leaf springs up front, then you've got your shackles under your Jeep at or at the front of the spring. This is, after all, the stock Jeep way of doing things most of the time. Now, the biggest advantage of keeping things the way they came from the factory is actually something you've probably never noticed while driving down the road, and that is your front end doesn't dive whenever you hit the brakes. Sure, the nose dips down a little bit, and you maybe see it dip down a little bit more when that douchebag in front of you brake checks you in the intersection, but... Overall, it's not that noticeable. Most of the time, the axle attempts to move forward when the suspension is under compression, and this is a huge benefit, actually, and here's why. Off-road, when beginning a climb and the front axle is compressing, it's also pushing forward, which can increase contact pressure and help to climb up and over something. Now, at the very least, it can aid in getting that tire up and onto that next rock or obstacle. You also don't have to worry about your drive shaft separating or your front axle walking away from you on extreme hill climbs and well, that rear end stays put when going down those steep hills, too. Another nicety. Now, this all sounds wonderful because, well, who doesn't want an easier time going over those big rocks? Well, with added traction comes reduced ride quality. 
with the axle trying to move forward as the Jeep is moving forward, it creates a bit of a harsh ride, which can be very taxing when going over washboard or poorly paved roads. It also reacts slower to washboard terrain than a shack reversal, which results in floating over the bumps at lower speeds. Now, this will generally force people to run them faster, and, well, there went that last filling. But when encountering a large obstacle at speed, the force is transmitted directly to the rear of the spring, and your main leaf is more likely to bend than if it were in a shackle reverse setup. Basically, if I was planning on building a Jeep that just gets plain wacky off-road, and its primary use was extreme-style rock crawling, and I was running leaf springs, well, I'd leave it as it is with the shackles on the front of the spring. Now, if the Jeep is not going to be put into all kinds of goofy angles or its primary purpose is to be driven on-road, well, then I consider putting a shocker reversal on it. Now, there's just no comparing the ride quality above 15 miles an hour. Honestly, it's night and day, but do your own research. Compare another Jeeper's ride with your own and make the choice. Hopefully, this helps making that choice a little bit easier. And if not, if nothing else, a little bit more informed. All right, Josh, I'm still a little confused on this. What is uh, the, the factory way for the shackle to be positioned? Would it be positioned forward? Like the it, it, where it mounts to the body, uh, it is further forward than where it mounts to the leaf, and then it moves uh, forward whenever you cycle the, the suspension? Or what's the reversal? I'm trying to understand. So the what, reversal is moving the shackles to the back of the spring. Oh, okay. So uh, uh, attaching the leaf to the front, uh, the body mount, and then moving the shackle to the back. Well, it'd be the frame, but yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, the frame. You you got it. Uh, Okay, that makes sense. You know, I saw a picture the other day of somebody that had done a a lift on a YJ, and the shackle on the front was a good, gosh, it probably was a foot long. It was huge. And I'm thinking thinking to myself, how in the world can you take that off road? It, It hangs down really low. And I mean, everybody likes the the the, the short uh, stubby bumpers, but now you got these shackles that are hanging down way longer than the stubby bumper, and I it, to me it just looked like a a huge way of getting hung up, uh, not being able to get up and over things. Yeah, I've seen guys drag those shackles and and leaf springs up onto rocks. I mean, just pushing them up uh, just to get that tire up and up and onto oh, over. Yeah. Um, it, it's really uh, comes primarily down to line selection how you line up to your obstacle, how you get your approach angle set up, you know, all that sort of stuff. Honestly, wheeling a leaf-sprung vehicle is completely different than wheeling a coil-sprung vehicle, in my opinion. Now, uh, there's people down out there that'll just, you know, point a rig down the trail and hit the skinny pedal and more power to you. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm a, I come from a little bit more of a technical aspect of, of, of driving off-road, and these subtle nuances change dramatically when you're going from a leaf-sprung rig to one that's like a four link or something. Yeah, I didn't think about that. The leaf, uh, the leaf would. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, the shackle would actually move uh, f- uh, backwards as it hit the obstacle. So maybe that's what it was. It just looked like a, a huge impediment to, to going off road. So when you guys are talking shackle, I'm thinking the D ring shackle. So well, obviously yeah, because that, of the, the that the time you lost the one, it makes sense. Right. <laughs> so I was like, no. was really confused at first. So, I mean, is it called, like, if I Googled shackle? So, if you is, Google, like, shackle reversal or something like you're, you're going you're gonna to see a ton of images of that. Now, technically, Tammy, what you're referring to is a clevis, I, I think is, is, like, you know, what most, you know, the, the, the official terminology. A lot of people call them D-rings or right. they call them shackles or whatnot. Technically, they're a clevis or a clevis or, you know, whatever. 
Um, but uh, but you know, the shackles are essentially how a leaf spring attaches to the frame or or the vehicle, and it's it's oh, essentially a, okay. a hinge or a pivot. Oh, point. It's really just two okay. pieces of metal, uh, two metal plates yeah. that have holes in them, yeah, so that I'm, you can I'm adjust looking. them. I'm I'm seeing one right now. Okay, makes sense. And I got to take issue with you, Josh. Clevis was the drunk that was in Mayberry, always in the that jail. Was Cletus, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that wasn't that the Dukes of Hazard. Uh, that's where I was going. Now he was the tow yeah. truck driver in Dukes of Hazard. Come yeah. on, give yeah. me a yeah, Cletus. Give me a, give me a timely reference. <laughs> <laughs> that was a timely reference, Tony. Thank, thank you. I like that. <laughs> Well, hey, if you guys have anything to add to this conversation or any one of our tech talks, well, maybe you have a question of your own. Well, I'd love to hear it. Just uh, head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out all the ways to send us a message and get involved. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, the number one Jeep podcast. At my mom's house. Route 16 Off-Road brings you the best gear from the best brands in the off-road community all in one place. From Power Tank, S-Pod, KC Highlights to Nitro, Crazy Beaver, Poison Spider, Rugged Ridge, Factor 55, Yukon, Rubicon Express, Warren Tuffy, and many, many more. As a community-focused brand, they sponsor some great events, clubs, and organizations too. From the Urari or OHV Jamboree, to the Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam, from the Carolina Trails Off-Road URI Invasion to the Marine Recon Challenge. How about Top Sail Island Jeep Week and the 36 Hours of URI Adventure Race? Team True Patriot, chances are they're going to be at an event this year you're attending, so make sure and stop by, say hi, or even order your next parts right on the spot in their web orders tent. You can find Route 16 Off-Road on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and yes, even Pinterest. Or just head straight over to the website at Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com. Route 16 Off-Road, they live the Jeep life too. As many of you know, 2018 marked the 52nd year of the annual Easter Jeep Safari in Moab, Utah. It's amazing to think that Jeepers have been flocking to Utah's high desert for as long as the NFL has been crowning Super Bowl champions. Just like the Gridiron Classic in February, the legendary off-road festival hosted by Red Rock Four-Wheelers celebrates the premier achievements in the industry through rough and rugged performance. Now, Extreme Terrain visited Easter Jeep Safari in late March to experience Moab and take in all the sights. The trail rides ranged in difficulty from 1 to 10, with something like Steelbender rated at 6. Offering a mixture of moderately difficult off-road obstacles to a couple of hair-raising upchucks and drops to raise the adrenaline of even the seasoned wheelers in the crowd. Many of the trail rides benefit from the expert trail guidance of the club's knowledgeable members. It's easy to spot the crew in their iconic red nylon jackets with the RR4W patches on the back. Classic. Extreme Terrain was able to take one of their own project Jeeps to Moab. Brian Deegan's Deegan 38 JK Rubicon. They took it across the Steelbender Trail on March 27th in the 2017 Wrangler Rubicon, outfitted in Deegan 38 parts and Terraflex, Terraflex long arm suspension, handled the Category 6 trail like the beast that it is. Check out how the Deegan 38 JK came to life and see all the coverage from Easter Jeep Safari that Extreme Terrain has to offer. Swing over to ExtremeTerrain.com today or visit the link in today's show notes to see for yourself. From around the world... Or from your city. 
and sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Well, good evening, guys and gals. We are going to talk to another Truck Night in America alumni. Is it is alumni correct, Tammy? Would that be uh, somebody that's been on Truck Night and... You think I, alumni? I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. Anyway, I guess. we're going to be talking to uh, Teresa. And uh, Teresa, we were actually planning this uh, this interview to coincide with the release of the episode uh, of Truck Night in America that you were on, but they did a scheduling change, uh, didn't they? They did, actually, two days before my episode was supposed to air. Um, <laughs> we got email, yeah, really, really great for, <laughs> and they, they switched all of the episodes. Uh, one forward and put mine to the very end. Well, you know, why that, did they? That, why I did was just going to say that? that could be yeah. good news. That's like uh, putting the, you know, you have, how you have the star in a movie of the really big name star and it's bigger than the rest of them. And they, they get put that one on at the very end of the credits. It's like you, you get in the very first or your very end, you're, you're a big thing. At least that's what I'm going yeah. with, Teresa. Well, I was actually scheduled to be the first one and then they changed it to the seventh. And now it's the very last one. And I figure, well, it's either because, you know, they're saving the best for last or the worst, you know. <laughs> no, you, you know, you have to end on a strong note. You can't yeah. think that way. You have to end on a strong note, especially uh, because of, uh, well, like we talked earlier, uh, it sounds like a season two is coming up. It, it does sound like it. I'm actually really excited about it. So uh, do you know if, uh, if you can, you know, you've been in it once. Do you know if you're, if you are excluded from being like in season two or, you know, like trying it again? Actually, that was a question I just asked Bender um, about an hour ago and he said he didn't know. And uh, then I asked uh, Pete Soren and he said, yeah, sure. I don't see, he doesn't see a reason why not. (laughs) Leave me alone, lady. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I, no, I know they're not like that. I just think it's funny. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably actually it. <laughs> so my theory on why they moved your show to the very end is because you are probably like the first woman to win it, maybe. <laughs> that's a good That's uh, a good idea. I like that. <laughs> you know, I'd love to answer that, but you're... You're just going to have to wait and see. Oh, that's not right. You're supposed to let us know. Give us an exclusive here. (laughs) So, uh, I don't know if... You know, I I keep expecting them to get to the last um, episode, and then at the very end, they're going to show me going off that job and say, hey, stay tuned for next season. Oh, (laughs) uh, that would be a good idea. You may have just sealed your fate. (laughs) Yes. So oh, we'll, no. we'll have to see what happens on the landing. No, actually, I was just about to say, uh, some of you people, uh, if not everyone, has uh, already seen, and I think they, they put this out on uh, Facebook and whatnot, uh, prior to the first episode being aired, where they show you getting big air and that big orange beast. Now, now you are a Jeep aficionado. I shouldn't have used that word, Tammy. You are, you're a big Jeep lover, and uh, but you weren't racing oh, yeah. in, a, in a Jeep, were you? No, and I asked them um, when I applied for the show what they wanted me to drive because I have, you know, multiple options. And I think that because my Scout is kind of, it's, it's more unique. Um, it's, mm-hmm. you know, 76 older Scout. It definitely is, stands out. Beautiful rig. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. And so that's what I went with. And uh, I, I could have been 
I would have been just as happy driving a Jeep. Didn't turn out that way. Do you think he could have got as much air? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Probably more. <laughs> if not more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, Tammy asked you before. The, the bef- Scout is really heavy. So. Oh, yeah. Well, we saw that when it came down. Now, uh, Tammy had asked you before we started recording, uh, as she knows, she's not supposed to be asking questions because we forget to ask them during the show. Where are you located? I am actually um, right on the Canadian uh, border in Idaho, uh, near Bonners Ferry. Do they make you say eh? <laughs> you know, uh, well, no, they don't. But <laughs> eh. I do have some friends that say eh, and they're from Canada. But they don't admit to it. They say that they don't say it. And and, right. and I hear them say it, and I, I laugh every time. Like, oh, what are you yeah, laughing at? Give me a beer. <laughs> so I, I have a... I have a question. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and like what made you um, try out for the show and like what kind of background do you need to have to be able to do to be on the show? Yeah, it's pretty scary. Yeah. Well, I, I figured that the reason why they actually let me go on the show is they saw how horrible of a driver I am and oh. they figured that it was going to be extremely good entertainment. <laughs> But no, I'm I'm a mud bogger. I've been mud bogging and rock crawling for as long as I can remember. Growing up in the middle of nowhere in Idaho, there wasn't much else to do. And so it's from that, I met the ladies who own um, Off-Road Vixens, the clothing company in Spokane, Washington. And they posted on their, their Facebook page something about a casting call for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll give it a try, thinking that I'd never hear back from them. But they actually called me, the I think it was either that day or the next day. And uh, so I was like, well, okay, this, this might actually happen. <laughs> so there's nothing better than actually going on a show to do the, the thing that I absolutely love doing. Right. So let me, let me ask you this. You go on the show and you bring your own rig. What if you break it and stuff? Are you just kind of out of luck? You you definitely um, are it's it's your own dime basically um, as far as you know if you break it you fix it yourself but the thing is is that you have a chance to win ten thousand dollars and right. this is the kind of sport that you don't get into it if you're worried about breaking your vehicle because right. every time that I go out I'm breaking something you but know, how do even you if pay it's for all that how do you pay for all that well. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 you know a lot of times uh, well my brother he has an auto body shop so he gets a lot of parts you know for cheap right. or we get them out of the junkyards and i actually right. have two other scouts so i have three total and oh, wow. we use them for parts and also sponsors after after uh uh this you know has kind of blown up on uh, social media and on tv I've had, a, you know, a couple offers from sponsors, which is really nice to help buy right. parts. Yeah, because I was thinking, God, that would be fun to be on that show. But, I mean, I'm still paying off my Jeep. And, you know, I don't I don't have sponsors. Oh, yeah. I, You know, so, like, I would probably break my Jeep and then I wouldn't be able to get to work because it's my daily driver. <laughs> oh, okay, well, you don't want to. I would say that you don't take your daily driver to the <laughs> show because, yeah, you're probably not going. It, it's. It's a pretty good chance that something is not going to work right afterwards. It's, it's pretty harsh, actually. Right. Looks right. like a very, very rough course. And, I, and, and I've mentioned this before. I think I actually mentioned it to Bender when we were interviewing him. Um, I like how they've changed up the course. Uh, they have 
different things that you that you uh, have to go and do. It's like you can't really be ready w- for the show. And according to that interview that we did with Marbella, uh, she says you don't know uh, until you get there what exactly it is you're going to do. I mean, they keep everything a secret. You just you just don't know until it's time to do it. No, there it, it was not much before that I actually saw what was going to be happening. So yeah, it's it's definitely there. There is no preparing for it. You basically have to prepare for any kind of off roading that you can think of because it, you just don't know. So you pretty much would have to have pretty a lot of experience under your belt to even participate on this show, would you say? No, I, I wouldn't say that. It's definitely not. I mean, there's experts that have been on the show, but I, I'm not an expert. I Before that, I had actually never raced. Um, but, I mean, I've been out so much. I mean, my driveway is about a half mile long and has a switchback on it and huge ruts. I have to have four-wheel drive just to get to my house. Well, right. I'm operating almost every day. Right, but, but that, that's... For well, most part, well, people aren't, you know, it's not like they're all the, the top of the... That's not what, you know, the show is about. It's more normal people with their, you know, what they actually go four-wheeling with on the weekends and stuff, not, you know, the huge, right. high-priced $100,000 vehicle. Right. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about that the other day. I haven't seen any, uh, you know, two buggies that uh, are used to... Uh, climb uh, tree-filled uh, hills and rocks uh, at uh, 70 miles an hour. And I would think that those, something like that would probably be a natural for this show. And uh, I got the feeling they probably uh, shy away from that because it's a lot more fun seeing everyday people with the, the rigs that they've built in their own garages or, or perhaps in their backyard, shade, shade tree mechanicings uh, or, or whatnot. Uh, and I think that's what makes it interesting. It's like the heart of America uh, the the truck lovers of America going out there and just seeing what they could get done. That, that's exactly it. Uh, yeah, it, it, I don't see that they're going to probably cast people that are maybe they'd have an episode where it's the the you know the real racers and and the higher end um, vehicles. But yeah, that's the whole thing is that it's the normal people going out there and you know getting on it. But I would consider you more than a normal person because you've been doing this your whole life there are a lot of people out there that you know maybe a couple years 10 years maybe um i I don't know i just view you as more of an expert than me at some things but uh, it it's you know it's racing was a whole different thing for me i i think that i probably had a panic attack before it started (laughs) yeah i would freak (laughs) which could have led to you know some of the things that happened but I mean, it's it was, you know, an epic, incredible um, experience for me. Well, you know, I would I think bet. I would think just the with the helmet on, which I don't know if you normally wear a helmet or not, and the the cameras that are all set up, especially the one that will automatically or not automatically, but they can remotely pan inside your cab, uh, and just all this stuff that you. Uh, that you're having pointed at you. Now, I guess you had the benefit of this being the first season and really not knowing how big this would be, but just the thought of a million or more people watching you on those cameras that are all pointing at you, that to me would be very nerve-wracking, uh, just on top of the stuff that you have to worry about getting over the obstacle. Did did the cameras affect you at all? Uh, you know, they actually did. Uh, at first, when they were setting it up, it was a little strange. You know, I, nobody drives, well, people do now. They drive around with cameras in their car. I don't. Right. I've never, you know, I've never had a camera in there. And uh, the ones they put on your helmet are really, you know, it's 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 weird. 
you know, you turn your head and you hit it on something. You're like, oh, what, oh what's that? And uh, and I don't normally race with a helmet either. So yeah, um, that's that was definitely different. And especially being in uh, what was it like eighty, ninety degrees, ninety or hundred degrees in oh my goodness, uh, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it Very was. Uh, hot. That's why my hair looks so awesome at the end. Is <laughs> 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 you know having that helmet on and and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like a real fun, exciting, once in a lifetime experience. What was the thing that got uh, got you the most? The most surprising thing uh, of you being there, uh, and it may not have been the most exciting thing that we've seen or we we expect to see, but just something for yourself personally. Racing, actually, just being and doing it on. I mean, most people will race the first time, and it's just a small town kind of race that kind of thing. My first race is on national TV. <laughs> so that right. was, to me that was it, it was a big overcoming fear of actually getting out there and racing against other people when all the events I've been to before it's there's no race you just four wheel with you know hundreds of other people and that kind of thing and so that was that was uh really big for me so if there was any part of it you could do over again what would it be uh well without giving away anything on the show. Oh, I I thought I got you on that one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) um, I would probably have prepared a little sooner. Um, I, we were actually working on my scout and finished putting in the new transmission and a new axle the night before my scout shipped. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. I drove it one mile at, at the most before I actually got to go to the show. Well, you know, that's, that's really sounds like y'all did a good job doing that. Now, I think you just answered another question that I was going to ask. How the scout got there? Because you're a long way from where they uh, filmed this thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they actually trailered it to uh, Georgia, and then I flew there. Very nice. So the show, them, the show actually trailered it over there? They did. Well, that's very nice. I like well, that's that. That's good. Very. <laughs> So do you, are you going to continue racing? I think I, you said earlier you're, you're doing your first race. Um, actually, this, this Saturday I am going to race at Mountain Mafia in the Havoc, and I am definitely the underdog. Uh, there's, this is the, the $100,000 rock crawlers and uh, vehicles and everything, and then there's me with my scout. Oh, <laughs> so that'll be, be fun. fun. Well, you know that'll be a that'll be big for the event, especially uh, for the folks that have seen the previews. And I think it's in the promo. Like anytime you see a Truck Night in America uh, uh, image on uh, Facebook, you see this big orange beast, uh, you know, six hundred feet in the air uh, with all the little vehicles <laughs> below looking up there at you. Uh, and uh, they don't show you hitting, of course, because that's the that's the downside of uh, launching like that. You know, I f- I really thought you were going to tell me that, that if you had any, if you could do anything over again, you would have taken that hill a little slower. <laughs> um. Well, actually, <laughs> here's the thing. I would love to get a four link suspension, some coilovers, and uh, a lighter, more powerful engine, so that uh, I could possibly send it even further into the air next time, and not you know, not uh. 
hurt myself. <laughs> well, you, right. you can do that. I mean, we see the monster trucks doing that sort of thing. I don't know what it requires other than uh, a, a custom fitted uh, seat that you have to sit in and be strapped down to so that you can uh, your body actually doesn't bounce around and, and take a lot of damage. Now, uh, I don't think this is speaking out of turn. You let me know if it is. But you did take some uh, some damage to your body uh, on the landing of that big jump, uh, the, the big promo that they, they started with. Um, you know, it's when you hit, you know, from jumping and everything, it's, it's really hard, uh, with a helmet on your head is going to you know, oh, go forward. Yeah. It's heavier. Yeah. And, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, too bad, but yeah, I did, did get checked out afterwards and, um, but I don't have any, uh, lasting problems or anything from it now, and I you- do it again. So. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but now when you say checked out, you mean by medical personnel and not like by Bender or Pete or somebody, right? Oh no, they have they have <laughs> uh, paramedics on scene. They have uh, ambulance there, and yeah, it's they're they're on it quickly. I can see Bender going, "Yeah, she's okay. Rub some yeah. dirt on it. Work, walk it off. Walk it off." <laughs> <laughs> well, I so did. I, I, you know, I was I was doing my best to walk it off. <laughs> well, that's what you do. Yeah. Are there yeah. any prerequisites? For your vehicle to be able to be on the show, like your vehicle well, has to here's have the thing, XYZ. Is that every episode on the show, as you can see um, so far by the ones that have aired, has a different. Uh, they they kind of put you in a different class, or you know, different tire size, different right. engine size. You know what what your setup is, uh, and they try to match that closely, you know, to each other. So it's oh. you know a closer competition. That makes and sense. Uh, so basically, you can almost have anything, and still get on the show because there's might be four other people that have the same thing as you right well yeah, but like what about like safety you know like your seat belts like a safety harness that type you know oh, yeah. your roll cages that kind of stuff you're yeah. gonna need the you heavy have, duty stuff yeah. yeah you have to have um a roll cage you or enclosed if you, you know like my scout doesn't have a top uh right. so i have to have a roll cage uh you have to have doors or you know the tube doors and you have, we had to have five point harnesses right. and uh, a fire extinguisher um, was, you know, the main things. Right. So I had a quick question about your, about your scout, the scout two. Um, what kind of, how much ground clearance do you have on there? How much lift and ground clearance do you have on there? Since you mentioned about the different classes, uh, I'd like to get a good idea of, of what kind of, uh, uh, what kind of lift we're talking about that you have on the scout. I have a 10 inch lift on it wow. and the tires that I ran on it um, were 37 inch uh, tires. I do have 39s that I usually run, but they wanted me to stay at 37 for the show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's got quite a bit of clearance. It's, you got to hop to get into it. It's not, you know, a low rider by any means. So that must've really helped you out in the swamp, uh, getting through that mud pit and everything. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't say anything. Oh, burned again, Tammy. <laughs> nice try. Tony, she's not going to fall for your little tricks. So you might as well just give up now. All right, so they, they, uh, they moved this. When are we going to be seeing this episode that you're on? It will air, unless they change it to next season, it will air May 10th. May 10th. So we're recording this on April 26th, so I guess that's a couple of weeks away. It is. Oh, gee, is your grandma really pissed off because they keep moving your show? Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> my mom hasn't said anything. She showed up for the first one that I thought I was going to be on, 
And after that, she's like, okay, well, we'll see if it goes. I'll watch it afterwards. <laughs> oh, gee. You know, I think I'd hate seeing my kid. I'd be proud, but I'd be also be scared for them, you know, not knowing, uh, which I, I'm assuming you can't tell her anything either. No. And she watched the commercial uh, that I was on when it first came out. And she, my mom is horrible at texting, but she, the only thing she wrote me was, that looked dangerous. Well, Well, you know, I didn't I didn't think anything of it when you hit Uh, Teresa and I've been texting back and forth uh, for for a number of weeks now. So I kind of have some inside information. And one of the reasons why uh, you may hear something in my voice like, you know, I know Teresa. I feel like I know her because we've uh, we've chatted back and forth on Facebook. And um, (laughs) I just I did not have any idea that you were physically injured from that jump. I thought to myself, my God, that was a hell of a jump. That is a, a very hard hit. And you can see all this in the promo they released. And, mm-hmm. I, and I was just like, wow, that she really came out of that with a trooper. She's running around. She's got the fire extinguisher out. She's taking care of all this stuff. Uh, people are starting to come in. I had no idea you were injured and, uh, until you mentioned it to me. So uh, has there been any long-lasting implications from that that you're aware of? No, no. I, I'm. It's. You know, it, it right afterwards, you're just so sore. Your oh, muscles yeah. are so sore. But, uh, no, I got completely checked out, and everything's perfectly fine. I'm so, ready, you know, to go again. So how long were you able to milk the back rubs f- from your uh, your husband on that? Uh, you know, I was in that big jump, honey, <laughs> and uh, I really could use a back rub. <laughs> well, the thing is, is, I didn't get home, and you know, for a few days at least after that. And, and uh, so by that time, I think, it, you know, the whole... Um, feeling sorry for me it kind of worn off oh man that's a hard <laughs> crowd at your place <laughs> well Teresa, tell me uh you just i can't believe the times zipped by here uh, uh let let all the kids out there know where your social media stuff is and uh, how they could find you and uh remind everybody again uh, what uh what episode uh, or when the uh, episode that you're on is going to be uh, be shown okay uh well it will be on may 10th and you'll have to check your, your time. You know, it's on the History Channel. It's 7 p.m. here, Pacific Standard Time. Um, for social media, Facebook, I have Teresa Truck Night in America. And we also have the uh, Truck Night in America unofficial Facebook page, which is a lot of really, really good information. But, I mean, if you want to see me out there racing and uh, getting crazy, um, Mountain Mafia this weekend in northern idaho and then may 11th the day after the show comes on i will be at the moye Mudbug. excellent and uh, you're on instagram as well right i am and it's uh mud bog batgirl well i guess the batgirl will be a good one for uh, for the next time you know i was just thinking you got the uh, the truck night unofficial uh, on facebook I think you might be able to to use that as uh, some uh, uh, I don't know cannon fodder to get you on season two. I'm hoping so. I mean, I you know <laughs> I can support. I, I can post some bad things, to, people. You, you know, need to have me on again. And- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Teresa. Well, thank you very much for being on, and uh, have a a great night. And we'll be looking forward to seeing you. Uh, you said May 10th. Is that right? That's correct. See you on May 10th on Truck Night in America. And good luck on the race this weekend. And, and keep yeah, it, definitely. Keep it two feet max off the ground, okay? <laughs> yeah, I've been told by a few people. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be yeah, yeah. as a co-driver. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a lot of people uh, commenting on your post. You, not one of them wanted to be your co-driver? 
there was a lot of, uh, you know, I'd like to, but. <laughs> All right, Teresa. Th- thank you very much, and uh, you have a great night. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you. Well, we've got to give thanks again to Teresa Loomis for taking the time to talk about the History Channel's Truck Night in America and her role with the show. And, of course, well, we're going to wish her luck in the upcoming race. Hey, do you guys have an idea for a guest or maybe you want to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show? Well, we'd love to have you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and share your idea for our next great guest. Hey, coming up next week, Jean from All Things Jeep. We're going to talk to her about Go Topless Day, and I think that's coming up on May 19th. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. I was driving my Jeep through the woods the other day, and I developed a nasty tick. I've noticed that my oil pressure is uh, slightly higher than it used to be. Uh, I got to do something about it because it's driving me up a wall. It's uh, latched onto the back of my neck, and it's uh, sucking all the extra blood that I normally use to operate my brain. And uh, if, I, if I can't get it removed, I'm thinking about having a uh, name the Nikki G Tick contest. I'm I'm kind of fond of bloaty. Oh, all right, boys and girls, uh, I will chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs> Uh, I would have gone for Tinny, Mr. Crinkles. I, I don't know. <laughs> How about Reynolds? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reynolds, RJ, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the good thing is, Tammy, you get to meet Nikki G. Yay. <laughs> well, no need to be sarcastic. I wasn't sarcastic. <laughs> Just kidding. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. And this week, we've got something special for you. If you own a JK with a 3.6-liter engine and you like having hot food out on the trail, well, then listen up. The Black Forest Trail Oven is an oven for your Jeep. I know, I know. The last thing your Jeep needs right now is an oven taking up all your valuable cargo space. And just think of the extension cord you'd need, right? No, 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 no. The trail oven preheats, or reheats rather, pre-cooked food for easy dining on the go. It has 270 cubic inches of warming space, which is enough for about five medium-sized burritos. Keeps food in place and off your engine while you're navigating the trails. Yes, I said engine. This is essentially an engine oven. It installs in less than 10 minutes, mounting to the factory engine cover attachment points, and can easily be removed for cleaning and storage. All aluminum designed for even heat distribution and no corrosion. Now, even though this was designed to work with the 3.6 liter Pentastar engines, it can be easily modified to fit other applications. Want to see it for yourself? Well, just head over to JeepTalkShow.com and check out the show notes for this episode. Once again, this is the Black Forest Trail Oven, and it's just $99. If you're looking to uh, for a way to heat up food while on the trail, this is what you need. That's amazing. I, I think, I mean, I've heard of uh, cooking food on the engines before, and of course we, we spoke with Gina and her uh, muff pot and how they were doing uh, cooking on the, uh, the trails with their snowmobiles. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, so, it, you know, logically and physics, it makes sense, but... It's just neat that somebody's actually built something that you can, you know, mount to your engine 
and uh, and cook your food. Tammy, have you considered uh, uh, going into business and maybe selling uh, uh, tacos and whatnot in the yeah, parking lot at your business where you just pop open the hood and start right. throwing them out to people and they start throwing back money at you? Actually, what you could do is just pre-make the sandwiches and then just sell them and have everyone put them on their own engine. But oh no, you have the value add. You gotta you have to throw yeah. the the heat in there. And there's the the whole gizmo setup. You know where you pop open the hood. People want to buy the the sandwich or the burrito simply because it was cooked on the engine. Now well, there's no wire. There's no, no wiring to hook this thing up, guys. There, there's nothing to plumb no. your exhaust or water lines. And this is essentially, basically, just an aluminum box with mounting hardware and, and a and a hinged lid that sits on top of the engine and and houses the food that you want to you know rewarm or or keep warm, uh, if you will, uh, and, and keeps it from you know going every anywhere or everywhere else right. and keeps the the splashes away from it and you know all that sort of stuff. So kind of an ingenious design. Uh, I think it's kind of it does have that kind of a, a of a wow factor to it. You yeah. pop open your hood and and here's this little you know aluminum box sitting on top of the engine. It's kind of kind of a conversation starter. You know, it's like get breaking out the breakfast burritos after the first trail of the day. You know that that type of thing. It's it's kind of kind of neat. So uh, ninety nine bucks. I might be a little reserved on the price there, but the quality does look like it's pretty good. So. Uh, you know, if it's uh, within your price range and that's something that you're in the market for, I want to check it out. This would be a lot of fun for tailgating, wouldn't it? Because, you know, yeah, you're, sure you're, would. you're eating on the tail and you're cooking on the on the nose. Well, the good I like, thing I like about, a- the good thing about this one is you can fit littler size burritos in. If you're just going to cook on your engine without this oven, you would have to have you know, a pretty big sandwich. So it's not going to slip down and, you know, move around. So, yeah, it looks like you could throw about a hundred taquitos in this thing easily. <laughs> right, there you, there you go. So have you tried making soup with it, Tammy? Oh, geez. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out like quite like that. But. Mud, mud soup. Mud soup. <laughs> no, I like, you know, when I'm on the trail, you know, out here in the Northwest, it's kind of brisk, a little bit chilly in the mornings. You know, like a little bit of a hot breakfast out on the trail. Yeah. You're sitting, you know, out in the staging area, six, seven o'clock in the morning. You know, maybe you're off the first trail about eight o'clock in the morning. It's time for, you know, maybe a second breakfast or something like that. And, you know, some breakfast burritos fresh out the engine compartment. Oh, what could be better? Then, you know, in the afternoon after things warm up, you're going for a cold lunch. You break out the sandwiches and that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, man, I can definitely see uh, room for this in, in my Jeep. Have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review. And coming up in a few minutes, wheeling wear. You know, I was digging around uh, in some of the pictures I've taken of my Cherokee over over the years. Uh, Probably something to post up on Facebook. Uh, People are always asking questions about how to mount their their license plate on the front of their Jeep or um, sliders or something. And I've pretty much done all that stuff. So uh, it, it got me thinking. It, it reminded me we have new listeners each week who are, who are eager to know more about the basics. So this week I'm starting a new series of steps to make your Jeep great again. Hang, <laughs> stay with me. <laughs> My 1998 Jeep Cherokee came uh, came with the Upcountry package. That basically means factory skids, front tow hooks, and a massive one inch lift. <laughs> now. As we've mentioned several times, your Jeep Cherokee or Wrangler 4x4 is a very capable off-road vehicle straight from Jeep. But like Tim Taylor of the the Toolman, we can make it better. 
After doing some research, I found my Cherokee could handle about 4.5 inches of lift before needing additional modifications. It looks like a 32 by 11.5 by 15 tires should fit under the Cherokee without needing to uh, trim any of the body or uh, flares around the tires. Now, a buddy of mine helped me install uh, the uh, the lift kit, and then it was off the local tire, de- tire dealer uh, with wheels and tires in the cargo area of my Jeep for installation. It took all day long to do the lift and get the tires installed and balanced. But my six-year-old Jeep finally lifted and looked more like what I thought a Jeep should look. I think everybody remembers uh, doing their lift and putting the tires and wheels on it. Tammy, I know it was a big deal for you. Oh, yeah. It was It was a huge, huge difference. Um, and also, just wheeling was different. And it actually took a long time for me to really realize that, you know, I'm lifted and I don't need to be as cautious and say, are you sure as much? <laughs> now, jo- Josh, but, you lifted yours, right? You didn't, it didn't come that way. Cause I know you got yours. Uh, you weren't the original owner. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I think I'm the second, second owner of, uh, of my, well, technically the third owner, but the second, uh, owner was the daughter of the first owner. So, you know, it kind of doesn't count, but. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, mine was bone stock, uh, when I got it, not a thing had been done to it. And, uh, and I did the, uh, the lift over a three day weekend by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think one thing went right. And no. in fact, uh, <laughs> I ended up, uh, stripping out one of the leaf spring eye bolts, uh, the, the weld nut in the frame or, you oh, know, in the unibody no. there. And, uh, no, it was an absolute nightmare. Yes. Um, and I'm, you know, to- again, doing all this myself in a buddy's driveway and, and so, you know, over the course of a three day weekend, and this is at the time it was my daily driver. And so I did the, I did the rear first. And so for a oh, day good. I was driving around the Jeep all, you know, with a, you know, four inch lift in the back. Uh, you know, I, I kind of had that hot wheels jacked up stance, you know, going on. It was really weird to drive. Um, but, uh, but yeah, then I, you know, finished it all up, but, uh, yeah, kind of interesting, uh, d- driving a Jeep that's been lifted in stages. I'm surprised we didn't see a meme of your Jeep, uh, where it said, because meth. You know, when you were in the multiple stages. Oh, <laughs> yeah, with the, with the small tires, too, because I still had the, the stock 27s or whatever they were. Back yeah, on. Oh, it looked ridiculous. Uh, but it's great. It's, it's great going through that experience and learning, and, oh, yeah. and, and it helps you in the planning uh, of uh, future modifications. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, I actually uh, went to – my buddy had a shop, so it, was, uh, it went a lot faster, uh, him being a mechanic and having a lift and all the rest of that stuff. And my Jeep was a uh, Southeast Texas Jeep completely. So we didn't have any uh, surprises with rusted things since we don't really have uh, the salt issues that, uh, that you guys do. So anyway, next week we're going to talk about a lift greater than 4.5 inches and why you can't just go big to start. What's that? Ah. A running and driving Jeep, I hear? <laughs> Spring is in the air. <laughs> and, and so, so these exhausts. And so is the pollen. <laughs> oh. Tree gasms, as I like to say. Oh, no. <laughs> you ever notice that the, uh, the molecular structure of a pollen molecule and the Death Star look identical? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me share with you guys uh, some woes over the last week. Um, woes? Well, no, 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 no. 
Not nearly as fun. <laughs> Almost as expensive, uh, but not nearly as fun. No, um, I, let me just say that I hate pilot bearings. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know what a pilot bearing is, um, it, this is basically a bearing where uh, it goes in and comes out um, in the same way. Uh, you only have access to it from one side, uh, meaning you can't just press it out. Um, and, and it requires typically special tools in order to remove them or very special techniques. And uh, all of which I tried and all of which I, I have as far as you know, tools and techniques go. Uh, but nothing, nothing I say was getting this pilot bearing out of the 242 case that I'm rebuilding. And uh, it, it took me the better part of five hours before I finally just said, screw it, the damn thing's getting cut out. And uh, gave me an excuse to go to uh, Home Depot and buy myself a Dremel. Oh, those so are awesome. Like, yeah, they are. Yeah, I love, so I've, love I've got, a, got a Dremel tool now, and uh, and I've also got a uh, pilot bearing that's in a few pieces. So. Okay, I was, <laughs> that was going to be my next question. Did you get it out? Yeah, I did. Uh, it I, I very, very much took my time um, because I didn't really want to screw up the race a little bit, uh, a race at all. I did a little bit um, in with the the uh, the hammering and 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 extracting uh, of the um, of the of the bearing race to get it out of there. Um, or the bearing case, rather. I mm-hmm. did script the, the, the race a little bit. Put a couple of gouges in it, but um, I, I, I took down the high points. Um, I've already got a, uh, it's a, it's like an anaerobic type of um, uh, thread locker type of compound that's going to go in there, and it, it will build up uh, as much as, I think, five to ten or twelve thousandths of an inch or something like that, uh, and hardens like steel. It's, it's got like a very, very liquid JB weld almost, but it's meant for... Um, you know, putting bearings into races that have been slightly um, ovaled out a little bit. Not that this has. Uh, I measured it out. It might be a thou and a half out of true um, altogether. But, uh, you know, it's, we're talking about, you know, widths of a human hair here. So I'm, I'm not really worried about it. Well, the pilot bearing and the bearings themselves are, are, seem, to be, uh, seem to me to be very sturdy. And, mm-hmm. um, I know that, uh, uh, speaking off air to you, you had thought that perhaps the pilot bearing was pressed in, uh, at an angle. Did you get any kind of sense of that? Or could you tell because of the way you removed it that, I mean, since you just trashed it, you couldn't tell. I will say that, that whoever was into this case before me, and this was not the case that came on the Jeep. Uh, this was a, uh, donor case that I, that I swapped in after I, I blew apart mine on the rocks. Um, they didn't know what they were doing. Um, I found, I kid you not, probably a palm's worth. You know, you put a little pile on the bottom, you know, almost a quarter size diameter palm's worth of RTV shavings in that case. Um, they so over gooped this thing. I mean, there was, there was, and there's some metal shavings that were in there and stuff as well. Whoever was into this case did not do things correctly. So I, I would venture to guess that that bearing might have been replaced. And if it was, uh, it, it, it wasn't pressed in the, in, it wasn't pressed in correctly. So, um, I mean, even my, my, I have a pilot bearing removal tool, the specialty tool that is specifically designed to remove these kinds of bearings. And it didn't work. And yeah. in fact, it ended up breaking the, the, the lip that it's supposed to grab onto shearing that off of the bearing. And it just made an absolute nightmare of things. So, yeah, good times with the pilot bearing and the 242 rebuild. Um, almost two days uh, spent on one bearing. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly thrilled about that. Progress coming to a screeching halt. But but all in all, progress is still moving forward. It's just slow but sure now. So I'm thinking that, you know, with Tammy's catchphrase of are you sure, 
your catchphrase during this build was would be uh, what you say commonly for f's sake well for f's sake seriously <laughs> <laughs> oh there were there were several other that. choice several other choice words as well that got uh, screamed around uh, uh, quite a bit but hey in the end of the day i got another tool out of the deal so uh and i yeah. if you guys know me by now you know that i love tools so well you know, uh, yeah I, I can't complain. tools are wonderful because they help you do the job quicker and faster or, or tear right. things up faster so did you or, get, did you get the pilot bearing put, uh, pressed in or is that the next step uh, that will be the next step. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing all of my my pressing kind of all at once, and I yeah. may even take some stuff to work. We've got we've got some arbor presses there at the shop um, that I may might may try and use. Um, I, I may try and uh, make myself a little press jig or something like that. In the meantime, I don't know. I, I've got a I've got a, quite a few other boxes to check off between now and then. So, uh, but when I do start pressing stuff, you guys will be the first to know. Cool. Well, I'm glad to hear you're making uh, progress, and I hope you don't lose the bet. <laughs> Me too, because I don't really know what's at stake. <laughs> so uh, I kind of have to ask for a vacation day next what, week. Again? You're always on vacation, yeah. Tammy. Oh, jeez, this oh, gal. Sorry. Well, you, 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 are you going well, off to what you know? Some other you know awesome wheeling destination to rub it in my face for another week or uh, three? Yes, it's yes, gonna, yes. It's, it's going to be uh, <laughs> a luxurious, luxurious weekend. Uh, half yes. naked massages, uh, my time. Wait, I thought she's meeting up with Nikki G. Yeah, I was just gonna say, no, 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 no. They <laughs> <laughs> this took a turn. <laughs> this could be considered a work um, event. Oh, so yeah. I'll be turning well, in my my mileage, Tony. <laughs> I was going to say, if you think you're getting a write-off, well, good, well, good, good for you. It's that kind of uh, unbridled optimism that we look forward to here. <laughs> No, I'm really, really excited. Um, I'll be packing up all my camping gear. This will be the first time that I will camp and wheel together because usually I get a hotel room. Um, yeah, that's like peanut butter and jelly. I know. I'm just really excited. I get to meet Brian with Carolina Trails Off-Road, who we have interviewed him on when we did the Jeep Talk Colin show. And Brian from Route 16 will be there. And Nikki G plans on being there. But actually, you know, I'm kind of concerned because I think I saw on social media that something happened to his Jeep. Oh! But I know. No, and that I, was that tick. It was a joke. He just, it's <laughs> not, it's actually not an oil problem. <laughs> um, so. They have more than one Jeep over there at the, uh, the Nikki G household. The Nikki G house. Okay, good. So I'm really excited about that. And I get to earn another Jeep badge of honor because in the Uari National Forest, there's a trail called the Dickie Bell Trail, and that is one of the Badge of Honor trails. But this one is going to be way more difficult than the one I did last weekend. I'm assuming you're going to be the one bringing the bell. I don't know if there's even a bell. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Nikki G taught me everything I know. <laughs> so, so a couple of um, weeks ago, this group did this same trail and one of the wheelers in the group um, broke his Jeep. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you sure I should go? <laughs> and they're all just like, yes, you're in good hands with Brian. This Jeeper yeah. didn't listen to his spotter. So all uh, your spotter, you'll be fine. You're going to break it well, eventually, Tammy. So, oh, it, but it won't be bad. 
if I, I've already broken it. Remember, I broke my steering stabilizer. That, that doesn't count. It yes, really, really yes, doesn't it does. count. <laughs> She's all yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. My fingers are crossed. No, Tammy, um, you should be fine. And and if if where you're going to be at is like any of the other places where I've wheeled at, you're going to have you know uh, areas where you can bypass. So if mm-hmm, you know you're right. on a trailer, or whatever, and it, you you be you know you're into into a section where. You know, oh, I, you know, this guy in front of me, he just flopped. You know, we were waiting for two hours to clear this other guy who wrecked, you know, or whatever. You know, maybe I want to go ahead and bypass this one. Yeah. Just, you know, nobody's making you go over any obstacle. So, I mean, unless it's one of those things where, you know, hey, there's nowhere to turn around. There's no bypass. There's no exit off the trail out here. You're going to have to try this. Right. You know, just, you know, listen to your spotter, pick your line. You'll be good. And they all are so experienced, and they have all the equipment you need to fix. See, you're stuff in good hands. You got the yeah. recovery gear. Your Jeep's well outfitted. You're 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 all right. Yeah. Oh, and Tammy, get a picture in front of our banner at the Route One Six uh, tent. And if oh, you, of course, and if you could uh, look at that picture ahead of time, take that same shirt and see if you can get your hairstyle and face in the same position when you're taking the picture in front of <laughs> in front of oh, the banner. Like put my, put my head there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tilting my head the way it's tilted just exactly i think it'd be hilarious <laughs> i want you and you know tammy's got some new business cards that she's going to be handing out oh yeah that's right uh, so yeah. uh there's uh there's all kinds of goodness that uh, is going to be happening that's is that next week tammy or two weeks from now cinco de mayo may 5th that is yeah coming up uh here cinco de mayo. i wonder yeah. if i have time to ship you out some uh, some stickers um so you can hand them out i'll see i'll have to try to see about doing that Okay. So Tammy, once again, if people are are interested in in trying to track you down and you know be like the paparazzi and and get pictures right. and autographs <laughs> and stuff, where where once again tell them where and when you're going to be. So Friday, I'll be driving up, and we're having a meet and greet at Boondocks, I guess is what it's called. But I'll be in the Uari National Forest at the Uari. I don't even know exactly what it's called, but the Uari National Forest. There's the trails up there and you'll be posting um, on social media so you'll right, be able to update those positions if you don't already uh follow jeep mama on uh, the social media you should and you certainly should before uh this event if you want to meet up with her well and you can and, just follow the sound of the are you sure and you should be able to find right it. and the the swear word yes yeah. <laughs> um but saturday we'll be wheeling and then sunday i'll drive home um it's like about a five and a half hour six hour drive for me that's a good one. So, That's a good yeah, one. So is, not too bad. I mean, considering you go four hours to uh, the other place. Right. So. And then if you guys check out on my blog, on my events page are all the events I'm going to this year. I'm going to have to take another day off in May because I'll be going to an overlanding weekend and then two wheeling trips in june so far so oh we've got an overlanding uh thing to talk about here in uh, wheeling where coming up in just a I little bit i wonder if it's Excellent. the same thing oh, we'll have to see so i don't know if you guys are aware or not but uh i'm getting an atlas transfer case um still waiting News on it to me. Really? Oh. First it's, I've heard uh, <laughs> it's been a long six month wait and uh-huh. uh i i don't know i keep calling uh they get friendlier every time i call uh so i don't know 
Is that how those calls are going? Okay. <laughs> they, they are. Uh, the, extremely <laughs> understanding and friendly. In fact, they, uh, they even have a, a group uh, to help people like me. But anyway, I digress. I, I did get my uh, 1350 uh, yoke for the Chrysler 8 and a quarter. Uh, since I'm going to be going with a uh, 1350 uh, U-joint drive shaft from Tom Woods uh, on my uh, my tra- uh, Atlas transfer case, and uh, be going with uh, taking the the rear uh, drive shaft I currently have, which is a Tom Woods drive shaft, and uh, getting that uh, resized and uh, rebuilt uh, as my front drive shaft. So I'll be uh, I will be woodied front and rear, which is not something that you normally would say. Uh, except in prison. And uh, I'm really looking forward to having those awesome drive shafts and the awesome transfer case in my very awesome red Jeep. Mm-hmm. You agree? I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, we're... Well, hey, do you guys want to join in on the fun? We'd love to have you here around the fire. Guys, just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Find out all the ways you can join in on the fun. Well, let's talk about some events that are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. We have the first annual Eleanor Jeep Fest happening May 4th through the 6th in Eleanor, West Virginia. Uh, I'm, at least I'm hoping I'm pronouncing Eleanor right on that. Uh, for more information on this, head over to eleanorjeepfest.com. They're going to have a Jeep parade, show and shine, obstacle course, trail rides, music, food, vendors, raffle, door prizes, bonfires, camping, a whole bunch of stuff, guys. This sounds really cool. So first annual Eleanor Jeep Fest eleanorjeepfest.com. Uh, speaking of big Jeep events, how about the fifth annual Jeep Palooza happening May 18th through the 21st in Courtenay, BC, Canada. Uh, for more information on this, well, they have a Facebook page set up. We'll have the link to that in the show notes for this episode, or you can head over to jeepapaloozabc.com. Uh, and coming up that same weekend, in fact, May 18th through the 20th, the Overland Expo West show. This is happening in the Toothill County Park in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. There's going to be over 325 exhibitors there, over 175 specialized classes to take, hundreds of on-site experts to answer any and all questions, and you can join thousands of like-minded, off-road-loving overlanders from all over the world because they're all flocking to the world's largest overland expo. Uh, For more information on this, head over to overlandexpo.com slash west and uh, well you can find out all the goodies and of course uh, happening a little bit earlier may 15th through the 20th the entire week of that uh panama city jeep beach jam guys in just two short years the jeep jam has been well, has posted record jeep attendance numbers exceeding the first two years numbers of nearly every jeep event on the east coast uh the uh, panama city jeep beach jam welcomed over 900 jeeps in inaugural year and over 1200 jeeps in year two are you going to be there for year three? Uh, for more information on this event, head over to jeepbeachjam.com. You know, it seems like to me there's a Jeep Beach thing going on right now. I think uh, Joe at uh, Under, the Sun in, uh, Under the Sun Inserts uh, was doing a live Instagram earlier today. I think I missed him by about 15 minutes. So I was going to give him a hard time. Uh, you may, may remember Under the Sun Inserts from an interview that Tammy and I did on uh, uh, the Jeep Talk Colin show. Uh, and by the way, Tammy, Joe says he'd be up for another interview. He's just uh, busy right now at an event. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, he's out, isn't he out at a beach? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Jeep yeah. Beach. I think it's in Florida. Uh, if yeah, I if I've been keeping Florida. up with it right, uh, yeah. but uh, I don't think we had that one in our wheeling wear, Josh. 
I think we did the last several weeks um, uh, yeah. because it's happening this weekend. Uh, usually, typically, as we get to like the week before or maybe two weeks before, uh, I've already been advertising that event for at least two or three weeks. So, uh, yeah, you guys should have had uh, a fair amount of of uh, you know warning for that event. But yeah, I you know. Hey, if you're out at an event, uh, you want to you know get some love out there. Well. Now take a picture uh, with uh, you know your Jeep next to it. Post up on our Facebook page or Instagram. We'd love to uh, see your pics. And I'd just like to take this opportunity to, to remind you: never correct me on the air. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, if you guys know an event coming up, well, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, just shoot us an email with some details. If you've been to a Jeep event recently, well, let us know. Just head over to our contact page: jeeptalkshow.com/contact. Hey, folks, and if you want, you can follow me on my Jeep journey on my blog at www.jeepmama.com. Looking for a voice for your business or your product? Head over to thevoiceofjosh.com. Check out my professional voiceover services. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow, friend, like, subscribe, and above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you're wheeling, if you pack it in, pack it out, and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. Remember to always tread lightly, and if you'd like to learn more about the Tread Lightly principles, head over to www.treadlightly.org. Caution, the Jeep Talk Show may contain ingredients that are known to cause cancer in the state of California and are intended for external use only. If rash or burning persists after using the Jeep Talk Show, contact your local operator immediately. Podcasting since 2010. Uh, since I've been listening to the Jeep Talk Show, it, it burns when I pee. Oh, jeez, Louise. <laughs>